This is Father Jared Kramer from St. John's Episcopal Church in Grand Haven, Michigan, here with today's edition of Christian Mythbusters, a regular segment I offer to counter some common misconceptions about the Christian faith. Earlier this week, I got an email from the School of Theology at Suwannee, where I did my second master's degree and also my doctorate. Suwannee has decided to rename a long-standing lecture series, one that's been around for nearly a century. It used to be known as the DuBose Lectures, so named for William Portia DuBose. DuBose was one of the first professors at the seminary, which was founded after the end of the Civil War. DuBose also remains one of the greatest theologians that has ever existed in the Episcopal Church, with his writings still having significant respect today. So you may be asking why would they remove his name from the lecture series which has borne it for so long? Well, there is tremendous difficulty with DuBose and his history with slavery. His family owned over 200 slaves before the Civil War. During the Civil War, he left seminary to fight on the side of the Confederacy, and then, after the war, he was quoted as saying that even though we would now say slavery was a sin, it had been a system which was beneficial to both slave and owner. The specific quote my seminary shared in relating their decision to remove DuBose's name from the lecture series was this, quote, now that the judgment is passed that slavery needed to end, we join it. Slavery, we say, is a sin, and a sin of which we could not possibly be guilty. End quote. To go a step further, DuBose also praises the rising Ku Klux Klan in his memoirs. Now, I know that some people including some of my fellow alumni and siblings in the Episcopal Church, will see the removal of DuBose's name from this lecture series as yet another example of the so-called cancel culture. DuBose was a profoundly insightful theologian who lived in a specific context that resulted in him having a significant blind spot when it came to slavery. Is that reason enough to banish his name from the seminary's lecture series? I would say yes. It absolutely is. And furthermore, it provides an excellent opportunity to break the myth of whether or not the church still has repentance and concrete work to do when it comes to her history with slavery. It is essential that Christians today acknowledge that the centuries of slavery in the United States of America were explicitly and vigorously supported by Christians and leaders in the church. Even after the Civil War, when some in the South believed their defeat in the war had been God's divine providence, Christian leaders still believed that their defeat was God's punishment for mistreating slaves not for owning slaves. They continued to argue for a so-called Christian slavery that would have been okay. It's no surprise then that following the Civil War, the theological weight of the church was thrown behind segregation and the Jim Crow South that was beginning to emerge. It was a significant portion of the church that was behind the growth of white supremacy in the Klan, and it should be noted, this same thing was happening in the North, not just the South, including right here in Michigan, right here in West Michigan. In 1923, at least 141 men joined a provisional Ku Klux Klan group right here in Grand Haven, according to research done by Calvin Enders in the Michigan Historical Review. They even burned a few fiery crosses right on Dewey Hill. We have yet to atone and make right for the evils inflicted by slavery in our country, evils which still bear generational pain and struggle upon people of color. The church in particular has often failed to live up to its own complicity in the systems of slavery and white supremacy, much to her everlasting shame. 
So I'm grateful that my seminary is removing DeBose's name from the lecture series, given his support of slavery even after the war. It may be a cultural and historical blind spot, but it is one that is deeply problematic, particularly given his otherwise impressive theological prowess. His writing on theology should absolutely still be studied, but also with a critical eye for how his theology failed to help him reject slavery, too. And I hope that all of us will take time to look at the ways our church, our family, our lives have benefited from decades of oppression of our siblings of color, not just in slavery, but even afterwards. Our lives as white people, though not always easy for everyone, are by far much easier due to the advantages afforded white people in America, given our country's history of racism and discrimination. The church still has much to repent for when it comes to slavery and racism. There are sins and wrongs that still must be made right, and not just by words, but by concrete actions. Thanks for being with me. To find out more about my parish, you can go to sjegh.com. Until next time, remember, protest like Jesus, love recklessly, and live your faith out in a community that accepts you but also challenges you to be better tomorrow than you are today.